Picking up reading in uh, Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and if you've got your Bibles there, we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, Matthew 6, uh, starting at verse 19, just verse 19 to 24. I'll read that to us. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the rich teaching of Jesus here on the Sermon on the Mount. And as, uh, as we think about what Jesus has to say here, we pray that we'll have ears to hear what Jesus says, hearts to respond, that we will be encouraged, that we will uh, yeah, be challenged, that we will grow in our, our love for you, our understanding of Jesus and your word. I pray, Father, that you'll use me well in that. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, our family uh, still laughs at the memory of one of our children, one of our children receiving uh, this much-loved, much-desired iPod for Christmas as a Christmas present. There they were. They were hugging it. There were tears of joy. They were just uh, so overjoyed that they had no words to express. And I think they were reflecting that, that instinctive desire that we have to, uh, to enjoy things in life, to take pleasure in things, to own something for ourselves. And then we come to Jesus teaching here about treasures on earth. And you wonder, how does that fit in with that beautiful uh, family Christmas moment of somebody who expressing in, uh, joy and pleasure in receiving something, in having something for themselves? And so we need to pick up what Jesus is saying, uh, and we do that in the light of the, basically the whole Sermon on the Mount, but particularly uh, working your way through Matthew chapter 6. And what's happening in, in chapter 6 uh, Jesus has been teaching his disciples that they're, they're not to settle for short-lived earthly rewards. He, he, uh, he brings in there about giving, about prayer, and about fasting. And he, he says, you can do it for earthly rewards. You can do it so that people will notice what you're doing and, uh, and give you praise for that. You'll get approval and acclaim from people. He said, that's your treasure then. That's, that's your, what you'll enjoy out of that. But Jesus says, no, no, instead you should seek the uh, superior reward that only God can give. And it all flows from uh, that first verse in chapter 6, where Jesus starts his whole teaching by saying, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So rewards in heaven becomes a theme that runs through, through chapter 6 here. And the concept of reward is continuing. But here, in, from uh, verse 19 on to the rest of the chapter, the, the focus has shifted. The focus uh, is, uh, shifted. Instead of talking about earthly rewards like human approval, it shifts the focus to 
earthly rewards, seeking those things, money and possessions, to treasure those things and to think that that's your reward. And so Jesus wants us to think that through about our earthly treasures and what really matters, what our focus should be. And he does that in this teaching uh, using really uh, three contrasts. We'll see as we work through it. Two treasures, two eyes, and two masters. And they're all designed to do one thing. They're designed to check the focus of our hearts. And so Jesus starts with two treasures, and he begins with a very simple command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And we have to go, well, what's Jesus saying? What, are the, what, what does he mean by not storing up treasures on earth? And I think one of the things we should do is to start by saying what Jesus is not saying. Because from there, then we can say, well, if he's not saying that, what is Jesus saying? Uh, the first thing, Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to own possessions. It's not wrong to own possessions. In the Ten Commandments, we're commanded not to steal. It implies that we can own property, doesn't it? That we can have things for ourselves. Because if we own property, it says don't take the property of other people. Uh, Jesus uh, says it's not wrong to have things. If you read through the, the stories of the Bible, there are many people that have much wealth and they're not condemned for that. Jesus is not teaching that we should despise material wealth. We shouldn't despise the things that we have. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, God richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. God gives us good things to enjoy. God gives us uh, pleasures in life. God, uh, it, that includes iPods at Christmas. We, we get these pleasures in life. We're, we're meant to enjoy the things that God has blessed us with, the provisions that we have from God. And Jesus is not teaching that we should neglect savings we should not neglect looking towards our future needs. In Proverbs 6, we're told to look at the ant. Consider the ant. When the ant goes out in summer, collects food and stores it for winter. It's this model of what we should be doing. We should be preparing ourselves as well. In 1 Timothy 5, uh, Paul says that whoever doesn't provide for their family, he says, is worse than an unbeliever. So Paul is saying you need to uh, make sure that you are looking after your family, not neglecting those things, providing for your family, saving for the future. Because we need to uh, put those things up front because there are people who are tempted to take what Jesus is saying here and say that we should uh, despise all pleasures of life, that we should live as monks or hermits and hide ourselves away, that we should own nothing, that we should uh, basically live as beggars in this world but it doesn't fit in what, with what you read through Scripture, but it doesn't fit in with what Jesus is actually saying here. So we ask ourselves, well, what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus talking about? What does it mean when he tells us not to store up treasures on earth? I see that. Uh, I'll get to that. Uh, the first reason is because everything that we accumulate for ourselves doesn't last. Anyone here still own the very first car that they bought? What about your very first smartphone? Who's still got their very first smartphone? What about clothes? How many people still wear 
uh, wear clothes. Actually, my wife said to me, well, you do. You've got clothes that are about 10 years old in your wardrobe. I thought, well, okay. I haven't got stuff that's 20 years old. But we understand the problem, don't we? Things wear out. Things get old. They break down. They don't work like they used to do. We, we get that in life. We also know the futility of, of owning things, don't we? Your, your possessions can be wiped out in a moment. They can be wiped out by a flood or a fire. And there are many people that have experienced that just recently with, with floods that have devastated parts of, of Queensland and New South Wales. Uh, we, we're experiencing it at the moment now that uh, with interest rates changes, the, the, the thought you have, the value of your property, it's changed. It's devalued. One bad business deal can bankrupt a company. You can have a bad car accident and then have to live for a while without a car and it impacts your life. Your wallets can be stolen. You can spill coffee on, uh, on your laptop. You can break your smartphone screen. And I've experienced all three of those things. And you realise that things are temporary and Jesus is pointing out that, that things on earth are temporary, they have temporary value, they're fragile, they don't last, they wear out, uh, they don't possess eternal value. And as someone has said, you can't take them with you when you die. And so there's, while there's nothing wrong with these treasures, they're perfectly right, and the idea of owning things is okay, but we need to understand that they cannot satisfy because they're not lasting, which is what Jesus is really getting at. And the key to understanding is found in the second half of the verse, where basically Jesus is saying, it's only a problem if you're looking for treasures on earth to give you lasting significance and security and satisfaction, which only the treasures in heaven can provide. It's only a problem if you are grabbing onto those things and thinking that they're going to give you significance. They're going to give you purpose and identity and satisfaction and security. So what Jesus is saying, it's less about the temporary uh, value of these things because we know they don't last forever, but it's more about the belief that they will meet your needs eternally. That's what it means to be storing up treasures for yourself on earth, to look in at the stuff that you have in order to find your uh, lasting significance, to find your purpose and security and satisfaction. Jesus says they don't provide it. So what Jesus is driving at is, what is your attitude to the things that you have? Because the things that we treasure, the, the thing that we, we hold dear in our hearts has remarkable power over us. It can draw you in like a magnet. It just grips you as it, as it drives your focus. That's why Jesus adds, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says that because your heart will always follow what you treasure. And Jesus cares about the heart. He cares about the heart. Proverbs, we also get this above all else, guard your heart. So how do we guard our hearts? Jesus says, well, one way to guard your heart is to look at the treasures of heaven in, in order to find that lasting significance, that security, that satisfaction. But that's where it gets tricky, doesn't it? Because I think for us it's really easy to, to grasp and understand what earthly treasures are, the things of this, uh, this, this world. But what exactly are treasures in heaven? What are they? 
What are some of the things that make up treasures in heaven? And I think one of the ways to look at it is that earthly treasure is something that we do here on earth that has an eternal effect. I'm storing up treasure in heaven when I'm growing in my own godliness. I'm storing up treasures in heaven when I, I uh, have, was reading scripture to my children, when I, when I teach in different ministries, when I'm opening up God's word to people, when I share the gospel with someone. I'm building up treasures in heaven. When I share my faith, when I'm challenged, when I grow in my faith, when I, as Jesus has said previously, when I, when I give, when I pray, when I worship, when I fast, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. When I grow in the grace and knowledge of my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, when I serve him by serving the church, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. And I was thinking about that this morning as I, uh, as I was sitting there reflecting on the sermon and I read something yesterday in, in the paper and it was talking about uh, as, as Christians, as the church, we need to stand on those things that God says and not drift along with culture. And he was, he was just bringing it out, the idea of, of standing firm on things like uh, marriage and sexual identity and ethics. He, he was dealing with those things. And he said, you can either stand on God's word or you can drift with the culture. And he's and basically saying if you stand on God's word, you're storing up treasures in heaven because you're, you're living life the way that God calls you to through, through his word. So there are earthly activities that we do, stances that we take that have an eternal effect. And they are called rewards in heaven. And I think ultimately we do most of this because we treasure most of all Jesus Christ. The one who has saved us, the one who has given his life for us, died for us, the one who has given us new life, who's given us eternal life. We've got that reward already of eternal life through Jesus Christ, so we treasure him. And Paul encourages our slaves when he's writing to the Colossians, encourages slaves that God has an eternal reward for those who are motivated to serve Christ. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. And we serve Jesus uh, with a heart attitude like that. Whatever we do, remember it's the Lord Christ we're serving. Then even the seemingly small acts of service don't go unnoticed by God. It's what it says in, in Matthew 10. Jesus says, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, so he had the children standing around him, the little ones who, who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. The small acts are seen. Whether we, Jesus says earlier, whether we, the way we give and pray and fast is seen by God. We're to guard our hearts as we focus on the right treasures. And so all of this really is a question of the heart. What do you love? What do you prize? What occupies your thoughts? What, what drives your desires? Eternal treasures or earthly treasures? Because the thing that you treasure will control you because it controls your heart, has a grip on your heart. And the heart is the essence of what Jesus is driving at. 
And we need to, to hold on to that because we simply can't take our heart and focus from a focus on earthly treasures and say, well, now I'm going to focus on heavenly treasures. It actually takes the work of God. It takes new birth. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives to shift us, to, uh, to have God renew our hearts, to open our minds so that we'll love and treasure the things of Christ, the eternal things, over a love for the things of this created world. It's not a matter of trying harder. It would be easy if Jesus had just said, in order to solve this problem, I want you to just give 50% of everything that you have and give it to me. Wouldn't that be easy? We'd all say, well, I've given my 50%. What about you? Did you give yours? We could measure ourselves against a benchmark. And it's what the Pharisees were actually doing uh, when Jesus confronts them a number of times. They did that very thing with tithing. So Jesus challenged them, they would tithe even their mint and dill, the leaves of, their, of the plants in their garden, because they'd set this legal benchmark. But the problem is that if you have a legal benchmark like that, it doesn't get to the real issue, which is your heart. Where is your heart? We don't get this nice, absolute legalistic standard because it doesn't deal with where our heart focus is. And God doesn't want us to serve him out of legalism or fear. He wants our hearts. And so we, we need to plead with God to change our hearts, to help us to keep our, our eyes focused on the things that matter and knowing that God will help us there. Which is where Jesus continues in, in this teaching. In verses 22 and 23, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You may be tempted to scratch your head at what Jesus is actually saying here. Uh, and you're not alone if, you, if that's your, your stance on these things. And it's easy to think, well, what Jesus has done here is completely changed the subject. He's moved away from uh, treasures in heaven. He's just thrown in this teaching about the eye and the lamp of the body. But that's not what Jesus is doing here. We need to read what Jesus uh, is saying here in context. And if you look at the context, he hasn't moved out of his discussion of treasures in heaven because in verse 24 he goes back to uh, the things that we're devoted to, the, the things that we treasure. And then in, from verse 25 he talks about not worrying about things, earthly things. So then we say, well, what is the point? What is Jesus trying to get us to consider when he talks about the eye in relation to treasures? And here Jesus is using, uh, again, that, that uh, contrast, healthy and unhealthy eyes, and he's using it as a metaphor. Because in Scripture, there are times when the eye is equivalent to the heart. That is when it says to, you can set your heart on these things or you can fix your eye on these things. It's the, the same concept and idea. And so what Jesus is saying is that your eyes are always focused on your treasure. Your eyes are focused on the thing that you treasure. In the context here, what are your eyes focused on? Are they focused on the treasures of the world or the things of heaven? John Stott in his commentary puts it like this. The argument seems to go like this. <clears throat> 
just as our eye affects your, our whole body, so our ambition, where we fix our eyes and heart, affects our whole life. Just as see, a seeing eye gives light to the body, so a noble and single-minded ambition to serve God and man adds meaning to life and throws light on everything we do. Again, just as blindness leads to darkness, so an ignoble and selfish ambition, that is, to lay up treasures for ourselves on earth, plunges us into moral darkness. It makes us intolerant, inhuman, ruthless, and deprives life of all ultimate significance. Pretty tough words from, from John Stott, but he's, he's, he's saying, where's the focus what are your eyes looking at? If your eyes are focused on earthly treasures, then Jesus says they're unhealthy because you can't see. You can't see the eternal realities. Your whole existence is lived in, in darkness of the bigger picture of what God is doing and who God is and eternal, eternal futures. And so when your eyes are good, you can see that th those things. You can see where you're going. You're focused on the path. You're focused on the things of God. And your heart is right and your whole life comes in focus. You have one purpose, to honour and serve and glorify God with your life. And so you can put God at the centre instead of storing up treasures on earth. And so what are your eyes focused on? Are they focused on Christ and his kingdom? Is he your treasure? Or have you settled for earthly things? And Jesus says it's, it's bad enough that the darkness is outside, but the darkness comes from your heart because your heart is focused. Your eyes are focused on the wrong thing. How great is your darkness? John Stott, it says, it makes you intolerant, inhuman, ruthless, deprives life of ultimate significance. And I think it's that ultimate significance that you miss out on. So once again, it comes back to the heart. God cares about your heart. When your heart is wrong, when your eyes are focused on the wrong thing, your life is plunged into darkness. And God wants, you to, change, wants to change your heart, give you a new heart, a new attitude, a new focus. He wants to help you to focus on the right things. When you focus on the right things, you can live a life free from the sins and worries that earthly treasures produce. It's what Jesus goes on to talk about from verse 25. It frees you from coveting, from greed, from idolatry, from being deceptive, from uh, grabbing hold of things for yourself. There's freedom because you release that grip. You grab hold of Jesus. And again, we can't make our own eyes, our own sight, healthy. God has to give us the vision. God has to give us the spiritual insight. And so we continually turn to him. And then Jesus finishes by saying, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, many uh, of the older translations had the word mammon in there, and you think, well, I can see why they put money. But what is mammon? And I think that is a, probably a, 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 it's a transliteration of a Syriac word, but it refers more broadly to riches and gain and prosperity and possessions as well as money. So it's the, all, the, all the things of life. 
And the point Jesus is making is your service is always focused on the thing you treasure. Jesus says you can't serve God and money. You can't be devoted to two masters. And he uses master in the sense of being completely devoted to someone or something. It has control over you. It guides you. It, it instructs you. It tells you what to do. And Jesus says your master can be God or it can be your possessions, but not both. He says it's impossible. You'll love one and hate the other. He's, he's using this Jewish idiom which talks about you're, you're going to strongly prefer one over the other. You're going to despise one. You're going to love one. And he understood. He understands the heart, really. He understood what's true of people in his day but also uh, of us, that conflict between believing in God and trusting in our possessions. We're, we're torn by those things all the time. And Jesus says you can't be completely sold out to possessions and be completely sold out to God at the same time. You can't do it. Just think that through. I mean, you can't be a die-hard fan of two football teams. I had uh, uh, someone who uh, was supposedly a die-hard rugby fan of South Africa and Australia. And so what they got is they got a South African jersey and an Australian jersey. They had it cut in half and sewn together. And so they'd wear both. And I thought, you can't be completely devoted, can you? And he would sort of go, South Africa's winning, whoo. Australia's winning, whoo. So he's not fully devoted to any team. He's going to be devoted to the one that's winning. You can't be devoted to wholeheartedly to two things at the same time. You can't be devout in two different religions. You can't be devoted to two masters. Jesus says something has to give. You can't be full and faithful to both. Either I'm putting my hope in and seeking after the treasures of this earth for my satisfaction and my joy and my security, or I'm putting my hope and trust in God for what he has blessed me with, for my satisfaction and eternal security. Because we think we can navigate the division there of our hearts, but we can't. It's impossible. You can't serve God and serve someone or something else. It's either God on the throne or it's me. They can't coexist. That's why Jesus said we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. We put him on the throne of our hearts. I can't rule my life and think I'm letting God lead me. I can't store up treasures from earth and think that I'm, uh, I'm storing up those, those heavenly treasures as well. My devotion is either to God and what he wants, his pursuits, or myself and my own desires. And as comes up in Scripture many times, choose this day whom you will serve. And Jesus, Jesus gives this teaching uh, not because he wants to punish us, not because he wants to make life miserable, not because he wants us to beat ourselves up if we own something. He's not doing that. He doesn't want us to give up and miss out on uh, pleasures in this life of, of, of uh, riches. But he doesn't want us to treasure them as though they're the things that are going to look after us into eternity. He wants us to see where true riches lie. He wants us to see that love is, uh, love is better, peace is better, grace is better, forgiveness is better. That the things that Francois read out from Romans chapter 12 is better. 
is better than, than chasing after all the things of this world. And by far, what's better is being adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. That's where we belong. Jesus is showing us something better. And often we, we make the point, make sure your heart is fixed on heavenly treasures and not on earthly treasures, things to that effect. But Jesus is, is, is saying more than that. He's saying make sure you treasure the right things. Treasure the things of God. And if it's talking about treasures, it's talking about your, the, the things that you treasure. Make sure your heart is fixed on the right things. Your heart needs to be aligned with the things of God, with the heavenly things. And so again, we know that our hearts are only drawn to that place because of God, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because we know that our life is, uh, is there through Jesus Christ. And so while we can enjoy the things of this life that God has given us, we don't hold on to them. We hold on to our eternal future with the saints in heaven. And as we look to that, we can stay focused on love and service of God here and now, using the things that God has given us, incredible blessings in his kingdom work. Let's pray together. Our loving Father in heaven, we, we come before you and we confess our so often divided hearts. Confess that we often love the things of this world too much. That we can be focused on those things, chase after those things, not realising that those things give us no eternal safety or security or significance, good though they may be. That the love of these things, the desire for these things has given us spiritual blindness, that we can be mastered by them. And so, Father, we pray that through the work of your Spirit, you'll help us to focus our eyes, to set our hearts on the right things. We pray, Lord, that you will soften our hearts, give us renewed hearts, fresh eyes and a deep love for you and the treasures of heaven. And we thank you for the example we have of Jesus, his undivided service, his love of you and of us that led him to the cross that through Jesus we have access to the treasures of heaven. Through his death and resurrection, his ascension, we have life, eternal life. And may we treasure that above all things as we treasure Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. In his name we pray. Amen.